0: Anchored is a production of the Classic Learning Test, based in Annapolis, Maryland. Reconnecting knowledge and virtue. Visit us at cltexam.com. Hello, welcome back to the CLT offices. We're glad you're here. Today, we're excited to have Michael Ferris, founder of the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, founder of Patrick Henry College, and current president and CEO of the Alliance Defending Freedom. If this is your first time joining us, I'd like to take a little bit of time to explain what Anchored is. This is a program where our CEO, Jeremy Tate, engages in conversations with leading thinkers on topics at the intersection of education and culture. As always, we at CLT greatly appreciate your feedback, so please rate and review this episode and send any questions or comments to anchored at cltexam.com. Now, without further ado, let's get on to the conversation.
1: Welcome back to Anchor, the official podcast of the Classic Learning Test. We are here today with the one and only Michael Ferris, founder of Homeschool Legal Defense, our HSLDA, founder of Patrick Henry College, and president now of Alliance Defending Freedom. Michael, thanks so much for being with us.
2: Jeremy, it is a privilege to be with you
1: today. So, Michael, what are your memories of your early childhood uh, education? Did you love books? Did you love learning? Uh, What kind of schools did you go to?
2: Well, um, my dad was a public school principal. Well, actually, when I was very little, he was a public school elementary teacher. Um, uh, And I went to public school uh, all the way through um, K through 12. And uh, I went to first grade able to read. And I was the only one in my class able to read. And so they sat me in a corner by myself and gave me reading books, library books to read until uh, some of the kids caught up with me in class. And so that's a, a early educational memory. And the first book that I remember that was signing me to read was A Home for Sandy, uh, the, about a, a, a missing cocker spaniel. Uh, so um, I, 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 but the thing I, I, I most remember from those days is I read the newspaper every day uh, when I was a, a kid, uh, from you know starting from six years old. And that developed my interest in politics and law. And uh, I was uh, about 10 when my dad and I were changing irrigation pipes and we were talking about some political thing. And and he said, well, Mike, if you want to be involved in politics, you need to be a lawyer like Mr. Morbeck over there. And he pointed to a a lawyer's house across the way and he said, lawyers make $20,000 a year. Uh Uh, Now, keep in mind that a new Cadillac in those days was $2,000 a year. So that was like saying you'll make 10 Cadillacs a year. Which was, you know, that was a good, that was a good income. Uh, yeah. So um, anyhow, uh, those are some of my early um, memories. I, uh, with my dad being a, a principal, um, I, I had a lot of um, administrative contact books. I always had to help him inventory the book room uh, every summer at the end of the school year. Uh, it was one of his things, and so I learned every name of every book the elementary schools used and how many there were. So mm-hmm. I had a lot of uh, a book handling, as well as a, a bunch of reading, as well. I love biography. I love yeah, biography.
1: Michael, you you look amazingly young, by the way. To have founded uh, homeschool legal defense, I, I think for a lot of the homeschool families, uh, it seems like it's been around for a, a long, long time. Founded uh, in the early '80s, I believe. Uh, give us some context. What what led you to to found HSlda as a young young lawyer uh, in your 20s, and and what was homeschooling like back then in the in the early '80s?
2: Well, um, I I was let's see how old was I in eighty? I was thirty two years old when I founded Homeschool Legal Defense, and so uh, if you think I look young, I think you're wonderful, and a uh, uh, present will be coming your way. And I also can name uh, recommend an eye surgeon. Our family had started homeschooling our uh, our oldest daughter. Really, we had a three, two other kids, but they were preschool age, and. We made the decision in April of her first grade year. So we started in, when she was in the second grade. And so she was the only one of our kids that attended any school other than homeschooling K through 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was thought to be illegal. I mean, if you asked all 50 attorney generals of the United States, you know, the various states, uh, is it legal to homeschool, all 50 would have said, no, it's not legal to homeschool in our state. Now we differed on that. But that was the the on-the-street kind of legality. It was not legal. And as a result of that, there was a lot of fear and a lot of hiding. Our family didn't hide because I was confident of our abilities, and both educationally and legally. And so there was an article about our family on the front page of the Seattle Times, largest paper in the state on a Sunday. So, you know, Sunday above the fold, front page. So that was our way of hiding. Um, and uh, nobody ever happened this us um, about it, um, but I started getting a lot of requests for help, legal help with homeschooling, because I, I had a regional reputation involved in Christian legal issues um, before I started HSLDA, and I started getting inundated with with requests for legal help, and that led me to Found HSlda is just had a lot of people saying that we need help, and I knew that you know when they say they want a Christian lawyer, they really want a free lawyer, and uh, I knew that there was a great way to go go broke. So, but if you start a membership organization and you act like a teachers union, then you can do some stuff, and and so that's what we did.
1: It has uh, made homeschooling possible for for many families. We homeschool two of our five, and and we're very grateful for the work HSLDA has done over the years. Um, so, and then you're also uh, Chancellor Emeritus uh, of Patrick Henry College, a gem uh, of a college, there in Northern Virginia. Um, what was your founding vision for the, the school, and, and what inspired you after after founding uh, homeschool legal defense and then found a college? Tell us about Patrick Henry. Well, I wasn't busy one Thursday, so I thought I'd start a college, but uh, uh,
2: you know, it, 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 it was a daunting task, that's for sure, um, And but very, very, very worth it. Um, I'm a problem solver by nature, and so the reason I started Patrick Henry College is because I was getting questions from two groups of people, and I didn't know the answer to the questions, and uh, one was from members of Congress who said, Mike, um, I'd like to have a sharp homeschool kid uh, on my staff uh, in Congress. And I knew they didn't want a 14-year-old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd seen so many congressional staff over the years, even though they went to, uh, um, you know, professing Christian college in some cases, um, that they were not nearly as principled as the member of Congress. And they, I'd see them in private meetings and they'd sell out their member, or at least sell out their member's values. And so I was, you know, interested in, finding a a way to get properly trained people to go help and fill that need that had been expressed to me many, many times. And then even more number of times, I had uh, questions from uh, parents and high school students in the homeschool world who were asking for colleges with various kinds of attributes. They were interested in the uh, classical great books kind of an approach uh, and there were very very limited numbers in those days. In fact, you know, the only one that was really um, around that, that I knew about anyway was uh, St. John's, and 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 that was not Christian by any means. Yeah. And um, and so uh, there was an interest in the apprenticeship methodology. Uh, there was an interest in uh, you know a, a place that was friendly to parents, not run by parents, but but at least not antagonistic to parents. They weren't, you know, the college wasn't. And also, you know, a principled Christian school. Um, And so, um, you know, as opposed to what J. Vernon McGee said was, uh, you know, there are are believers, there are non-believers, and there are make-believers. And and so people were not interested in make-believer kind of Christianity. So when I kept saying, I don't think there is a college like that, you know, about the 500th time I said that. Uh, it occurred to me that this was a good idea and that we should start Patrick Henry College and blend those things together. Um, And, you know, the political legal side of the training was our initial vision and that quickly expanded Mm -hmm. um, as we, as we developed the class curriculum for the core that led to other, other things that were, uh, that were natural outgrowths of that classical core. So as much as I love the, the, the uh, political and legal success of the college, uh, the classical core is what makes it what it is.
1: Oh, I, I love names. Michael, uh, was the name uh, Patrick Henry College? Did you know right away? Yeah, of course, it's going to be Patrick Henry College. Or was there some kind of a, a debate over a long period of time uh, within you know your head of what it would be?
2: No, I, I just named it Patrick Henry College. Um, it was, you know, he was Christian. He was from Virginia. He was homeschooled and uh, he believed in liberty, and we wanted to stand for those four things. And then, no, there's a community college in Virginia, it was Patrick Henry Community College, but but as a four year institution, the name was available. And so we did it. You know, it attracted some of our early major donors because they loved Patrick Henry. That was was one of the easiest decisions made. Uh, It was harder to name the the circle road in front of the buildings than it was to name the college.
1: So, Now, our our, our own director of customer service here at CLT, her son, uh, recently graduated from Patrick Henry College, had a perfect score uh, on the LSAT. Uh, right. Amazing. Uh, I, I've since heard that Patrick Henry actually has a higher average LSAT score than even Harvard or Yale. Uh, I'm wondering, is that is that a product of the education of Patrick Henry? Is it a fact that you have so many homeschool students? Is it kind of a combination of both, would you say? Well, it's a combination.
2: There are, uh, you know, there's two ways to ask about the number of homeschoolers at Patrick Henry. If you ask how many have ever been homeschooled, the answer is about 80%. But if you ask how many have ever been to an institutional school, the answer is about 50%. That's because some students did some of each. Yeah. Uh, and so... Um, so homeschooling is clearly a factor, uh, a good factor. But I mean, the kids that come to PHC are smart in the first place. But they're not, you know, our average SATs aren't higher than Harvard's or Yale's. Uh, but you know, the the uh, LSATs are, and I I, I think that um, you know the the ability that we have to to train in that area, I mean, it, it flat out is is second to none. And so anybody who wants to uh, I mean, whether you're a student or a parent, if, if you want to pursue a law degree, you're committing malpractice if you go anyplace else for undergraduate school. This is flat out uh, the uh, case. Uh, uh, I mean, just one one you know one of many facts is in in collegiate moot court. We've won 12 national championships and one world championship. And the world championship, competing against Yale Law School among other law schools, we were the only undergraduate school in the program. And um, and we won the world title, uh, in Geneva. Um, but, but we, we've won 12 national championships. No other college in America has won two. Um, and so, you know, it's not, it's not a close call. So if you're interested in that, or if you want to be a spy, uh, those are the two things that we are absolutely the best in the country. Secular. I don't care what standard you use. We're the best in the country in those two. Now we're really
1: good in everything that we do, but The things that we are the best are those two areas. You know, um, speaking of test scores, since we launched uh, CLT five years ago as a competitor to the SAT and ACT, we've noticed that, you know, in about 40% of our students are homeschool students, uh, and we've noticed that that almost every time when we have a test, and I I try to call the highest score recipient, um, even though we're only 40% homeschool students, maybe 80 or maybe 85% uh, of those top score recipients after each test uh, are homeschooled. Um, are you Are you optimistic that that homeschooling is going to be uh, kind of break into the mainstream as as maybe a preferable way to educate uh, over the next decade or so? And and has COVID had any impact on that?
2: Two years ago, five percent of the American school age population was being homeschooled. Today, it's ten percent. Uh, and and that's not kids who are doing public school classes at home with a computer. That means people have decided we're done with the institutional schools. We are going to take full responsibility for our children's education. Mm-hmm. That demographic is now 10% of the population, which uh, the the COVID was the catalyst for much of that growth. But the whole worldview craziness that's going on in the public schools, that's, you know, they've doubled down on their contrariness to uh Uh, traditional, moral worldview. So I think that those numbers are just going to grow. And the academic success of that, I mean, it's just, if you want to take, you know, get get good at tennis, you want to take a private lesson or you take a group lesson um, is is the most simple way to explain this to people. (laughs) Uh, the, The private lesson, you generally are
1: more efficient and you learn more. Yeah, yeah. Especially if the instructor will do anything for you. That's right. If the instructor loves you,
2: then you know, come on. And you know, it doesn't mean the homeschool kids don't have some interaction. I have a son that's going to graduate in um, thirty some days uh, with a Ph.D. in genetic bio, you know, biology but genetic research at Promotor. Uh Was a University of Virginia undergrad in chemistry, um, and I ran into the homeschool dad that tutored him in. Son, high school science. He was a guy from our church who was yeah. a PhD physicist. And I saw him in, in, in the grocery store yesterday. And, and I, you know, and, and another son getting a PhD in nuclear physics at Michigan State's right behind him. Uh, and so he tutored my two sons. So it doesn't mean that the parents have to do all of it. But that was the only courses that my that, that my sons took throughout their K-12 through that my wife and I didn't teach. And there's so much opportunity, so much opportunity for success that it really is a, a terrific way. But forget the academics, if you would. If We just broke even on academics. It's the spiritual and family parts of homeschooling that make it all
1: worthwhile. Yeah, Michael, let's turn the page and, and chat about uh, your legal career. Uh, I'm curious, uh, you you know, HSLDA, uh, you in particular, you've been so much uh, for families to have this opportunity and to not have the stress uh, that they're going to get arrested or something for homeschooling. Um, well, what is the kind of the case that you'd say you are most proud of that you could tell us a little bit about? And why is it important for homeschool families?
2: Well, it's probably uh, the DeYoung case from the Supreme Court of Michigan that I, I believe was decided in 1994. Uh, and that was the case where uh, Michigan's court ruled that to require parents to be a certified teacher was unconstitutional. Um, and because that was the, you know, kind of the the old school fallback uh, position of how you, you keep people from homeschooling, just require everybody to be a certified teacher. And so um, the, t- the t- that is the NEA's position. On it they, they they want everybody to be a certified teacher and they want every certified teacher to have to be a member of the NEA, which is their real goal. Um, yeah. and and so, um, knocking that out really was the kind of the final uh layer of that. It, it, and if the, the close section second is when uh, a few years later, uh, California decided to go backwards and they ruled homeschooling to be illegal, a court of appeal, the case that, um. A public defender was involved, and and no nobody that really knew what they were doing was defending uh, homeschool right. And we we ghost wrote for them a, a motion for reconsideration, and I got to argue the case in oral argument, the constitutional portions, and and the court reversed itself and declared homeschooling to be legal in California. So those two are probably the two that I'm 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 most proud of.
1: Now, Michael, the question uh, that, that our audience here, the Anchor Podcast, I think uh, most looks forward to is, is we always end talking about books. Uh, I'm wondering for you, is uh, if there's maybe one book, one text that you come back to year after year that's really resonated and formative for you, uh, what is that?
2: Well, I mean, the Bible is the answer, but I, I, I'm going to give it an additional answer uh, into that. And so um, I, I think that, you know, it's a cumulative kind of book. It, it's biographies. I've read a lot of biographies. I love biography, um, And so uh, perhaps the best biography that I, I've read is David McCullough's uh, John Adams, uh, which yeah, is, yeah. you know, a, a terrific book, bi- although I really, really liked his, his Truman biography as well. It was, it was fascinating. I learned about the beginning of the welfare state in a way I never would have understood. And so um, um in, in a career sense uh there's a book by a guy named Benson bobrick called why is the waters uh and it's a story of the bible translators it's a history of bible translators and he is, he's a, a a secular author uh, uh and i i bought it by uh, randomly at the Atlanta bookstore or Atlanta airport in the a bookstore there uh and i um, ended up writing an, uh, my own book on the history of religious freedom, uh, uh, because of what I saw going on in in the British battle for the Bible, I, uh, I recognized parallels. And I, so I wrote about the take, I took the British system as a background and jumped it forward to what happened in, in, on, in, in the colonial America and up to the adoption of the bill of rights. And so, Mm um, so uh, that, that book was very, very formative and it's a great book. I mean, all three of those are are just terrific books that I love. But I read a lot of novels. If you ask my favorite novels, it's Great Expectations by Charles Dickens. Um, And uh, I I love that as well.
1: That's great. Again, we're here with Michael Ferris, uh, founder of Homeschool Legal Defense, founder of Patrick Henry College and CEO of Alliance Defending Freedom. Michael, thanks so much for your time today.
0: Jeremy, it's a pleasure to have been with you. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share with friends and colleagues. Look forward to having you join us next week.